Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delight Podcast. My name is Adam and I get to serve on our team as the pastor of Central Ministries and with me here today, uh, just like last week, I've got Trevor on one side of me who is our pastor of teaching and discipleship and Eric, our lead pastor, and we're back at it. A week later, we're, we're at it again. We're here. We're excited to dive in another parable about what this kingdom is like. And um, man, this is going to be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like uh, I was just talking with my small group last night. We keep going. It's just it's just kind of cool to like uh, week after week go into different stories, examples, parables, right? Like just different ways of looking at the same like uh, object almost like, you know, you're like, oh, here's another example of what, how this looks. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's like a diamond. Yeah. There's like all these, these many facets to the kingdom that are all shiny and you got to be able to look at it from these different angles. And yeah. when you see it, it just gets more and more exciting. And so yeah. I'm excited to be building on what Jesus said uh, with our church together. I mean, building the kingdom, uh, adding this focus and this uh, intentionality, this commitment to build the kingdom with them to our church. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. even in my own life, you know, I uh, I kind of hinted at something on Sunday. I, I kind of said, hey, um, you know, I don't know if I owe anybody an apology, but there have been times where I've allowed the gospel to just simply remain in the conversation of salvation only. And I'm seeing now just the value of stepping into the kingdom. Not only is it what Jesus invites us to, but it's just very, very compelling for people who have spent a lot of time around church, but have never seen the value of the kingdom. And so that's what we're, we're learning in this section with the parable of the yeast, the mustard seed, the pearl, the treasure. We're not mm-hmm. done yet. The mm-hmm. net, um, yeah. we got, we got a ways to go. So, yeah, I think personally, and I said this actually at small group last night as well, like as I'm doing this reading plan, shameless plug to the reading plan that goes mm-hmm. with this. Um, I'm going through and now in this, in this read through of Matthew, I'm just highlighting every time it says kingdom and golly, it's just mentioned a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, so man, it's cool that uh, we can take these nine weeks and go through all of this. Yep. Yeah. And, and this week in the sermon, I wanted to add um, a specific, a specific approach to talking about the kingdom for people who struggle maybe to connect with that word itself. And admittedly, I'm one of those people. I have never lived in a kingdom. Um, you know, I, I read about the animal kingdom once and I watched, you know, <laughs> went to the magic kingdom, uh, Disney. But besides that, it's like, what is this? And, mm-hmm. and so coming at it from the angle of culture, uh, really related with me. Um, mm-hmm. We live in places where we experience culture all the time. And so mm-hmm. talking about the kingdom of God as a Jesus culture was at the heart of this week's message. And I'm happy to continue the conversation today and break down even more what culture is, how to build it, how to see it, how to be a part of it. What is it? Because it's something that you hear leadership experts, business owners, consultants, coaches talk about the culture of the team, the culture mm-hmm. of the club, the ter- culture of the business. And for a long time, I was like, yeah, the culture. And if someone were to ask me what's culture, I'd be like, ah, I don't know, it's just kind of like the vibe, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a part of it, but it's not what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You experience culture the moment you walk into an environment, but what made that culture is not random or accidental. Yeah. Culture yeah. deteriorates over time. So if you want a culture on purpose, you got to work at it. And in fact, in season one of this podcast, or maybe it's season two, we talk about the culture of SMCC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today might be a little bit of an overview of that, but... Um, certainly go back and listen to the culture we are building here 
if you want to know more about the SMCC culture. Yeah, you talk about leadership and the kingdom and, and culture <clears throat> and all these things. And I think we say culture because something that we understand a little bit more, right? Like kingdom, right? Like you said, we haven't lived in the, we don't here in the West live in a kingdom. Right. Um, but just like you said as well, like it's, uh, it takes intentionality. There's, uh, there's things that happen on their own. Mm-hmm. It's disorganization. It's, yep. it, it falls <laughs> apart. It gets older. <laughs> you know, it takes active energy to, to yeah. actually make things move forward and progress and be better. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. I think entropy is the word, right? Things Ooh, like naturally yeah, yeah. kind of move towards chaos and falling apart and it takes active work to keep them together. I know one of the things, I feel like I'm still new enough here that I can say this, that one Mm -hmm. of the things I've really appreciated about SMCC is how the cultural values are so clearly defined, laid out, and there's a commitment to them too. They don't just live on a document that Mm -hmm. sits on a a, Google uh, file somewhere that no one ever looks at, but uh, we talk about them regularly, Uh, we work them into our culture regularly, that there's such intentionality Mm -hmm. around them, and uh, because the truth is every organization Every church does have a culture, has values and behaviors that are central to who they are. It's just a lot of times it's not defined, mm-hmm. and it just kind of happens um, sort of accidentally. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a great way to talk about it. Accidental culture. It, mm-hmm. it basically is based on a personality or a preference or an opinion, but we want to create an intentional culture. And you, use, you just use the phrase cultural values. When Jesus is describing what his kingdom is like, we are seeing his values. It's the mm-hmm. cultural values of the king. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so blending and harmonizing the wor- the kingdom with culture, bringing those two things together has given me a lot of clarity uh, in terms of what the kingdom is. And I just want that for our church too. And I think... Um, I think there's two ways to go. Some churches are really clear on their culture as an organization, but miss how that culture as an organization fits in to the kingdom. And some churches are great on preaching the kingdom, but the culture of the church doesn't necessarily reflect that or the culture of the church isn't clear. We want to bring both together. And that's where we started in the sermon with Matthew 11, where we see human flourishing. We see the culture being for people producing human flourishing, that, that whatever the culture is, one of the primary values of the culture would be people. Yeah. And we want to prioritize people. That's a, that's a big cultural value. We want to be for people. And so um, that, that is helpful in understanding God's kingdom, but it's also helpful for defining who our church is about, what our church is doing. We want to be for people in yeah. a way that they mm-hmm. need to be cared for. Yeah. yeah, you're kind of describing like a, a macro, micro level. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kingdom, we say a lot of the times, which I realize is kind of a churchy word, but big C church. We're talking mm-hmm. about the church as a whole. And uh, so there's kingdom and culture to that. And then, you know, on the micro level here in Utah, yep, there's a level of that as well. Exactly. So, um, yeah, we're looking at the values of the king and we're trying to live out those values um, with certain behaviors. So you have cultural values in an organization. You have cultural behaviors that go with those values. And when, as, when, when, people live that out when our staff gets that right, when our staff can build that with volunteers, when I'm clear about that, you know, when the elders understand that, anybody who's connected to SMCC, when they adopt those values, which really is what we're inviting you to. If SMCC's home, we want you to have these values. If you don't have these values, it's not going to be a good home for you. If you value other things, you will find yourself in conflict with the other values. And this is where we we say that SMCC is um, just one church. This is our approach. You know what I mean? There are other churches who believe the same things doctrinally, but have different values. That doesn't make them right or wrong and us right or wrong. It's that we have a theological vision. That that vision is about building a certain type of culture. And um, we want to be intentional about that culture. And that's what makes makes churches who 
you know, have the, basically the same 10 doctrinal components, different though. And it's based yeah. on those cultural values. And so for us, um, our five values work themselves out. But this is not a podcast on SMCC. This is a podcast <laughs> yeah. on Matthew and what this kingdom is like. And so maybe we should start with this week's parable. Yeah, so we need to jump into, if I'm remembering this correctly, chapter 13 we're still in. Um, and we've got two really short um, parables. Like, they're just very, very short, essentially. Yeah. Um, Let's read the yeast one and talk it over. Yeah, absolutely. Trevor, do you have it uh, opened I, up there? I got it here, verse 33, yep. Matthew thirteen thirty-three. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. All right, go in peace. Someone actually pulled me aside. <laughs> Someone pulled me aside uh, in the lobby, and they were like, parable of the yeast today, huh? Well, it's only one verse. should be a real short sermon. <laughs> and I just thought that was funny. <laughs> They're yeah. like planning on it. Yeah. Like, oh, today's yeah. a... I, Short one, in and out, quick. Yeah, yeah, short yeah. one. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but there is so much going on here that, that we can talk about. One of the things that's interesting is just to reflect on why, why did Jesus tell this parable after the parable of the mustard seed? Or, or perhaps, you know, perhaps chronologically it wasn't like he told them back to back to back to back. Perhaps this is just Matthew syncing them up. You know, maybe in a week's time Jesus taught all these parables. Um, but uh, you know, it says he's told them another parable. Was that literally the next second after the mustard seed or was it you know the next few days i'm not sure what do you well, think what is interesting is the parable of the weeds he tells the parable and then the explanation comes after and what's inserted into the middle are these two parables yeah and all three of them have some some eschatology taking place sure them. so do you imagine this was one block of teaching or do you imagine that he would weave these things in and out over time because chronologically it does seem like there's a narrative there like he tells the parable and then they say, Jesus, can you explain it to us? And he explains it just later on. So maybe it is sandwiched together. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's the case? Like it was during a day? Like it, it may have been delivered in that way, or it may just be Matthew's kind of like artful design to sort of, um, you know, put them together in that way. Like I know yeah. we were just talking earlier about how uh, the parables were, were coming up to hidden treasure and the pearl and the net, how those actually all kind of flow together they, as well. They all connect. Should we give away the, the aha of how they connect or wait for people to come to church? No, no, no. They got to come for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, good. I won't, I won't give it away. But one of the challenges in, in writing this series has been, okay, some of these parables are very similar, but what's the difference? Yeah. So mm -hmm. like the parable of the net and the parable of the weeds have similar things. You have two things together for a time but there's a difference. And so um, the parable of the net is, a, is about separation. Uh, the parable of the weeds is about coexisting. Hmm. But the parable of the net could, it, it sounds very similar. Okay, you have two types of fish kind of growing up together. They're going to be netted together, and then something's going to happen. Well, it's very similar to the wheat and the tares in that they grow up together, and then there will be a separation. But what's the difference? Well, one is speaking to how they coexist. The other is speaking to a future separation. Hmm. and I think it's the same with the mustard seed and the yeast. Mm -hmm. They're very similar. They're both small things that become large things in a way, but mm -hmm. they're, they're also different. There is a difference. So it's, yeah. it's fun to pinpoint the differences. What, how would you talk about the difference between the mustard seed parable and the yeast parable? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, I feel like we just talked about it in a small group. So yeah. I can like, yeah, go I mean, for there, it. There's, a, there's a macro <laughs> level at least in that. So they're both small things that do something big mm -hmm. but the seed we're more picturing wow how does this tiny seed produce such a big um 
you know, whatever, feel the tree, whatever analogy we want to use. It produces something big. Mm-hmm. The yeast is, wow, how does something so small work its way through everything? Yep. We were yeah. talking about a group, how like if I put yeast into my, my mix for bread and I bake the bread and it comes out, I'm like, that's weird. This ha- like this portion of the bread rose and this portion of the bread didn't. It's like you'd mm-hmm. be like, mm-hmm. no, I mean, <laughs> if you mixed it, the yeast is going to go through everything and right. the whole loaf is going to rise. So there is some differences, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in those two. One of the interesting things about that too is uh, the way the kingdom works being transformational in nature, that if you look at most kingdoms, like I don't think any other kingdom actually works in that manner. Um, yeah, top let, down, outside in is typically how kingdoms work, right? Yeah, and yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna transform another cult or like another kingdom, you do so by basically like attacking it, conquering it, destroying it, yeah. and then establishing your kingdom on top of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is this way different. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we gave four truths in the message. We said uh, Jesus's kingdom starts small, but it will have a large impact. We said that Jesus's kingdom transforms lives from the inside out. We said Jesus's kingdom is comprehensive. And that's kind of, Adam, what you're speaking to, the comprehensive nature. Yeah. That is yeast works through the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's really exciting. And then Jesus's kingdom cannot always be seen, but the effects can be. Yeah. And so you have this slow work on the inside out. And um, so we wanted to address the question, Jesus, if you're really king, why can't I really see you? You know? And he mm. says, oh, that's by design. Why? Jesus is after the right type of change, not quick change from the outside in, not forced change, not manipulative change, not pressured change. He wants the process to be right <clears throat> so that the heart is right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I think that has shaped one of our values that at SMCC, we honor the process that God changes people from the inside out. We didn't just make that up because it sounded great one day on paper in the in the boardroom. It was because Jesus says this is how he works. This is how the kingdom grows in individuals' lives and also um, through um, culture as well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think the truths that we had in the message on Sunday were were good. They were um, really helpful in understanding these, uh, these more. And um, yeah, so if you missed that message, I mean, definitely go online and watch it because yeah. trees are listed there. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely recommend that. So as we think about building culture, we, we said this, you know, a Jesus culture is when Jesus's people behave in Jesus's ways based on Jesus's values. So as we come to these values of the kingdom, sort of the inside out process, the comprehensive process, that's the value we see here in this parable. How do we behave guys? How do we behave based on the values of this parable? So as to build a Jesus culture. I know I talked about our value. What are other ways, you know? I feel like uh, this is kind of where, man, I got so much good out of small group last night because mm-hmm. um, this can be applied very personally um, and have, and I, we have individuals in our group who um, I thought it was so uh, great that they could be vulnerable and honest and saying, you know, I grew up in religion my whole life. And I feel like as I was listening to this parable, I felt like I'm the mustard seed right now. Mm-hmm. Like it's, 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 it's not maybe the direct application, but they were identifying with a piece of it and saying like, I feel like I'm just relearning everything. And so everything is so new to me. And, and I'm, you know, can see how in the future kind of ask the question 10 years from now, what do you think this will look like as that, as that faith in you, you know, grows and you're understanding more. And, um, man, it could just be so many things, mm-hmm. p- very personal things. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think is so cool about uh, the opportunity that we have to walk through this with groups along with Sunday mornings as sure. well. I, you know, I think in my own life, when I first started showing up at church, it was totally selfish. You know, I just wanted to play bass in the band and it was cool, you know, and you just think of, okay, whatever was planted to use the mustard seed parable, 
whatever yeast was mixed into my life at that time, mm-hmm. as small as it was, now, you know, some 18 years later, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, it, it's worked its way through, as far as I can tell, every aspect of my life. Yeah, now, I yeah. give God permission to show me areas where it hasn't, and, and I'll take my next step. Yeah. But you look at the growth in your life, and you go, wow, this started so small, and now it's beginning to work its way through my whole life. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I think that there's, um, man, it was just so great, the conversations that we had, but we had parents in our group. And I'm um, talking about how like right now they want to know more so that their kids can know more. I'm like, that's great. I, but I could see 10 years from now that yeast working through and saying, well, I want to uh, do X, Y, Z, whatever it is, um, not just for my kids, but so that my neighbors and my coworkers, those who live in my city can learn about this too, right? It might just start at like, okay, I've got kids and I want them to understand who Jesus is. But that could grow and grow and grow um, as, as you grow too. So like, there's just lots of facets to look at that. Yeah. He, I was also just going to add this, you know, patience, this, this parable produces patience in people's lives. You know, you look at people you love and um, you're like, why, why hasn't this thing taken off yet? You know, is this really working? I got a, I got a message um, recently from someone on our team based on Sunday's message where it's like, you know what, I was bringing this individual to church and they were sitting with me for years and they said, you know, I'm just coming to be nice. I'm not really paying attention. And then some five, six, seven years later, that individual has decided to trust Jesus because, you know, that, that yeast that started so small back then, w- w- it grew from the inside out. And now this person has, has made a commitment to Christ. And yeah. um, the people that know him are so grateful that there, was a, th- that there was a process at a local church that honored that. But what I'm so grateful for is that there were loved ones who were patient. Ooh. And I think it's just a great reminder with our loved ones that we can be, we can be patient and Paul, the apostle Paul describes that in the new Testament about staying with people, staying committed to people, um, trusting the process that God changes people. So I was going to say, it's almost like we have a value as a church. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could go back and, you know, well, I, I, I can do this, <laughs> call, <laughs> call up pastor Paul and just say, Hey, when you, when you launch that value, what was in your mind, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he would probably speak of some of the church hurt that can happen when you get this wrong. Oh yeah. When you, when you try outside in change, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's, that's the pain of religion, right? We're going to, we're going to beat this into you until you get it right. Yeah. Um, my dad grew up in a religious community like that where, you know, the people would get angry with you, yell at you if you didn't get it right. And, um, that's the opposite of the yeast parable. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, you know, go back to culture. Um, we have a culture where we understand, um, and I'm speaking on a church level now that, it is, it is more helpful for us to be able to um, influence and control environments where people and that process can, can be lived out rather than saying, how do we control people? Mm-hmm. How do I manipulate? How do I twist their arm? How do I emotionally grab them to pull them this way? Um, that's a way re- religion uses that often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's just a misunderstanding of how the kingdom works. We don't need to do that. Yep. God doesn't need our help. He can, he can change people better than we can. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Wow. And we got we got to honor that. Um, as I was looking, as you were talking, Adam, I was looking back at the setup to Matthew 13, and I want to go back on my words. I think it was all one block of teaching. <laughs> that, that's my <laughs> thinking. It, it does seem that he set it up by the lake, and, and maybe it was over a few hours. Maybe there were, hey, Jesus, what about this? And then he gives them the parable. Hey, Jesus, hey, we're confused. Can you tell us about this? So, you know, I'm not yep. imagining that it was a monologue in this way with this amount of verses, I, I would imagine there was some interplay between him and the crowds, but it seems to be, then he walked away from the crowd and they got the explanation. So it seems to be one, one block. 
Yeah. My guess is, too, that these parables, he delivered them on more than one occasion. Right. Um, like, this is, pro- this is the one that's recorded, but I'm guessing the disciples heard this more than once. Yeah, totally. So one of the things in the message that I wanted to do, there were two other purposes, well, probably three purposes. I wanted to highlight the countercultural movement that Christianity is, meaning when values run in opposition to the values of the dominant culture of the day, you have a countercultural movement. And that's really compelling to me. I'm a bit of a rebel at heart, you know, grew up on punk rock music, you know, got, got some tattoos. Like I, I'm a bit of a countercultural guy. Um, Were you at Woodstock 99? I wanted yeah. to be there. He would have I would have been, been there, 11 yeah. though. And oh, um, uh. my parents, I don't know if they would have been down, but um, <laughs> I, I, you know, there's a part of me that, that is like that. And it's so cool and compelling when you think about Jesus bringing that, you know what I mean? That, that type of countercultural push into the world. Because like you said, Trevor, first century cultures were conquer you and you better change or will imprison you or kill you if you don't, you know? Yeah. Adopt our values. Yeah, like the six centuries prior to Jesus coming onto the scene, that that's what they lived through over and over and over again. Yep, yep. Yeah, just being conquered by and different nations. You better so. hope you were the conqueror. Yeah. The dog-eat-dog world, you know? <laughs> and so it was either conquer or be conquered. And um, Jesus brings this new approach to his kingdom that was countercultural. Yeah. You know what I mean? And... And whatever culture you find yourself in, there are things in that culture that are opposite the gospel. Mm-hmm. We happen to live in the West, which values certain things that make certain aspects of the gospel the countercultural pieces. But if you were to live in, in the East, it's different because they value different things. So what we're trying to get at is what is the kingdom culture? What is the king value? And then what is our dominant culture? And wherever we're different, Wherever we are different, that's countercultural. So the parable of the nets coming up is a parable that includes judgment. That's always hard to preach in this culture because we have this value of like, don't judge me, only God can judge me, which people who say that don't actually want him to judge them either. You know what I mean? Um, It's like, it's this idea that judgment is something, we we value the opposite of judgment so much that judgment becomes a hard topic for us to stomach. Here in the East, judgment's normal, you know? In an honor-shame society, it's like, judge everybody. (laughs) That's the thing that, yeah, people, you're you're so spot on with that. I mean, across the world today in 2023, there are different cultures. Mm -hmm. We're always reading our, (laughs) where most of us are reading this through Western eyes. And so then we're bringing this to culture as well. Yeah, you're right. In Western society now, acceptance is an extremely high value. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah, I did find it fascinating, though. There was a passage in the message, uh, Philippians 2, where the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Philippi, people he's friends with, saying, you know, if these things are true, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, um, and it's all rhetorical because he he knows them and he knows that these things are true. So it's kind of like a setup, if-then statement. And then he goes into unpacking all of these values, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I think the fascinating thing is if you break that passage down, kind of uh, extract the values within it and kind of like just look at the culture that those values would produce they're going to be countercultural no matter where you lay that down on the globe, on the timeline, wherever it lands, yeah. mm. it's going to be countercultural. Totally. Yeah, totally. And there are parts of it that sync up more than others. So like love and unity, Western culture is kind of cool with that. Oh yeah. And, and that's because we are downstream of Christianity. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, um, we breathe that air, so to speak, without even knowing it, yeah. where we 
Our opposite of that is nothing out of vain conceit, selfish ambition, vain conceit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Man, Instagram's full of vain conceit. Oh, yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Humility. Our culture doesn't celebrate humility all that well. We might, mm-hmm. we might, we might virtue signal humility, but that's something different. Virtue <laughs> signaling doesn't value the thing; it values something else about what that thing makes you look like. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think it would be totally a different sermon. But like, where is our culture out of step with? Um, the values of Christianity, you know, like where, where would you guys pinpoint that? Could you, could you do that on the spot? Um, yeah. If yeah. you just take a second and think, okay, Jesus values this thing. The Western world values this thing. I will go countercultural on this one to honor Jesus instead of my culture. Yeah. I mean, I think even where we live really values uh, not only image, but also material things. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm constantly trying to work against this. I'm a recovering, I don't even know what you'd call it. I love my things. <laughs> Materialist. Um, yeah. And I don't just want to go with this broad thing, like the kingdom, it's eternal. But there is something to be said about, wow, the kingdom is so much greater yeah. than what yeah. just my life can stretch over. Um, so that's a broad Yeah, thing. every time you give away your money, you're actually giving away an opportunity to have more things or buy your wealth if you think that's the case. So generosity... Oh. I really think generosity um, mm-hmm. is one of those things that can be countercultural. Of course, we live yes. in a moralistic society. It's like, give your money away. That's great. But what's funny is if you were, but if the you why is important. I mean, the why is important too. And also on the flip side, if you were to look at just an average person, every if you just survey people, everybody would say generosity is a good thing. 100% would say generosity is important. Um, but then in our actions, if you survey yeah. people, it'd be like three, four percent of people actually give, you yeah. know. And so there's some disconnect there. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I think it's an interesting tension in ministry too, that, um, you know, like leaning into the countercultural aspects. And at the same time, um, you know, there's, uh, like Paul and I think in first Corinthians talks about becoming all things to all people yeah. for the sake of reaching other people with the gospel, um, investing in their lives and all of that. And, you know, I'm from the Midwest and, uh, from the rural Midwest. So, uh, where I grew up, fashion is not like a, a dominant value, and uh, that's that's sort of in me. Mm-hmm. So when I moved out here, I'm like, I I need to I I got coached up <laughs> by who, Trevor? <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm I'm just by culture broadly. <laughs> <laughs> like I gotta get some I gotta get some. Uh, I need to become all things to all people here in Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a delicate balance. Yeah. yeah, sure, it is a delicate balance. But what we see is that the gospel always contextualizes itself to a culture. Yeah. Oh man, this I'm getting excited now. Mm-hmm. The gospel will always find its way into a culture. It mm-hmm. puts on the clothes of that culture, but it doesn't cave to the culture. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes. you know, you look at SMCC and you're like, moving lights, that seems pretty cultural. No, we're trying to create environments that's that are in interesting to the culture. Mm-hmm so that the parts of the gospel that are countercultural can be well received and yeah. that's grace and truth yeah. Yeah. and uh so you you man you make uh, that just gets me gets me fired up and the gospel values cultural contextualization yeah. <laughs> yeah. cultural yeah. contextualization <laughs> is a value of jesus it's a value of the mm-hmm. of the gospel so you know there there's cultural expressions like um just follow your heart whenever that comes up in the Nelson household we call bs on that one you know <laughs> yeah, um, yeah we play the true or not true game uh in our house to help our kids wrestle with that cuz some oh, things man. in culture are true and some things in culture aren't yeah yeah so yeah. that would be one the follow your heart one or um your worth is based on what you do mm. that that would be one or yeah. um 
I'm trying to think of other other things that are obviously there's in, in the political arena there are things that um, oh, yeah. are countercultural. Uh, oh, sex, human sexuality. Yeah. Wow, that's countercultural for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know that I'm onto a countercultural topic when I feel a little pinch rolling into preaching on that subject. Mm-hmm. Um, so politics, I feel the pinch. Human sexuality uh, mm-hmm. is a big one. LGBTQ stuff, mm-hmm. abortion. I mean, some of oh these things goodness. are so near and dear to the hearts of people. Yeah. That when the gospel comes in with something countercultural to that, it it can be. Uh, it can be heavy and, um, and yet we're not going to shy away from that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and so there are times where people make this mistake and I hear this, we want to go to a church that preaches hard truth. Okay. Well, what's hard truth to you? What's hard to hear will be based on what you already believe about culture. And so sometimes if you're in a series about God who loves, it doesn't feel like hard truth because you're already bought in. It's hard truth when it runs in contrast to what you believe. So we should be open mm. to being wrong. We should be open to the fact that the cultural values we have might be in alignment with Jesus on purpose or accident, or they might be in contrast with who Jesus is on purpose or accident. And we got we to gotta walk that yeah. carefully. And so um, these are all things, you know, worth, worth thinking through in terms of countercultural expression. There's a quote, and I, I know I'll tell you this. I don't remember who quoted it. I remember seeing it on social at some point, and I can't remember the person who said it. But anyways, I think the truth still stands there. Um, this idea of if you have a God that agrees with you on everything, like, that's not really, <laughs> that's not really a God. It's somebody that yeah. you created. Yeah, like, yeah, you created the God in your image. Yeah, this, this God his. is in my image, mm-hmm. yeah, and he agrees with everything that I think. Um, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's some, good, uh, some good truth there. Trevor, you look busy over there. You got you got some thoughts flowing. Uh, I'm just looking around. I know there was one practical part of the message. I don't know if we want to uh, camp out on that for a minute. Just like, <laughs> oh yeah, I think I said there were three things I wanted to highlight. I got stuck on the first. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> we had we had counter we had countercultural. We had helping people see the kingdom growing. We had how to build a culture. But what yeah. what were you gonna say? Oh, I actually said on Sunday. I was like, let me just say one more thing before we close. And then I paused and I said. Well, let me touch on one more passage and I'll say a few more things. <laughs> Carissa and I were driving yesterday in the car and we were listening to the podcast from last week and it was like about halfway through, I was like, yeah, let's just wrap up with this. And she said, you have 24 minutes left. What are you talking about? And I said it like two or three more times. Yeah. She was turned into one of them. Man, she was giving yeah. me such a hard time. Endings are slippery. They can be slippery. So. <laughs> uh, but there was a section on five ways to build culture. Uh, saying no to lots of things, saying yes to the right things. And I just thought it might be fun to kind of riff on that for a little bit. Let's do it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of church or just culture in general, like, uh, or organizations, what are you thinking? Well, I think it it can apply across the board, right? Right. To um, any kind of organization, to a family, like what's the culture we want as a family and how do we practically get after that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in our family, we say no to a few things. Uh, Disrespect is always a no. Uh, when Jack, it always tends to be Jack, raises his voice to his mother, we say no to that right away. We mm. don't, we don't do that here, buddy. Um, because we want to build a culture where we respect people. So we don't do that. Um, or talk over people or whatever. So, you know, we say no to disrespect. We say no to dishonesty. We say no to lies. You know, those are the things that we want to say no to, yeah, uh, yeah. in the Nelson household. But, but there are some things we say yes to that might be. Uh, a bit different um, in the Nelson household. We're not we're not super uh, firm on language. Mm. I'm comfortable with my kids using some colorful language. We watched. Uh, we've been on a Jurassic World kick recently. Ooh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah, and mm. uh, 
they're you know they're dropping the s word and you know words that eight year olds don't use. But mm-hmm. I want to help my son feel comfortable with those words to understand that words have meaning in in context to relationships and mm-hmm. and um and so there are times that uh someone in the household will use a word that you probably wouldn't expect the pastor's household to use <laughs> and we're okay with that. So that's not yeah. one that we're a hard no on. Yeah. Um, or yeah. So there are things that we're a hard no on in our household and things that we're not a hard no on because we're building, Yeah. we're, we're building, we want to build adults who can process their life. Well, let me, you know, speak a little bit into that from personal experience. Um, so you have the, that value. I don't know if you said it's a value or you're saying no, or you're saying yes to respecting others. Yeah. No to disrespect yeah. Cause we value respect. So, so that's pretty high up yeah. there. You're, you're, you're knowing your yes or not. We say no to dirty words or whatever. Right, right. 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 And so there's a difference between maybe I stub my toe and I say something yeah. or, Hey, you, you're this, you're yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, huge difference. Yeah. And that's the respect, disrespect. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So last night, even my kids were replacing the a word with the word donkey <laughs> and they were trying to use it in as many ways as possible. <laughs> you're such a big donkey. You're a donkey hole. Like they were trying to do this and we were having the funnest time working yeah. through it. And, and I just feel like, um, that was fun. That's mm-hmm. fun. So yeah. in the Nelson house, I'm not saying this is right or wrong for everybody, but in the Nelson household, yeah, words are not, um, we're, Words that treat people a certain way are most important, not just words that sound like bad words yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me go to something even more, and I feel like I, I like to talk about this too because I feel like it's something that me and my wife align on really well. Um, you know, when we talk about say no to these things, yes to, to the right things in terms of building culture, um, we, there are things that we want in our lives that if we want to say yes to, we could say yes to in terms of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the cars that we drive. My wife talks to me once a week about how she wants a Tesla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she just thinks it's the coolest thing. Yeah. MJ, um, if you're listening, you know, you're, I think you could get a Tesla. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> the but, hail, the hail dents on your Subaru. They are a big Hey, <laughs> we're driving that thing to the ground. My wife, my wife drives quite a crappy car. Um, and, uh, no, but I mean, but why is, why is that the case? Because mm-hmm. we said yes to other things. Right. And, um, there mm-hmm. are things that we hold really important to us in terms of, uh, kingdom, uh, things that we want to see sure. in the kingdom that we want to be a part of. And so we can't have it all. We yep. can't just say yes, yes, yes to everything. There's certain things we do have to say no to, to say yes to other things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Trevor, you, you have like the most well-behaved pastor's kids I've ever met. What are you Heck doing? Yeah. In, what are you doing in your family? What are you serving up over there in terms of culture? It's what my wife does. Okay. Well said. <laughs> That's a value. What, you did it. I say yes to whatever she wants. Uh, <laughs> no, there's been, uh, certain things that are helpful. Um, I guess like the way that we handle discipline, like it's really easy to slip into discipline as punishment and understanding discipline as being fundamentally about teaching. Mm-hmm. And so with that, it's, it's always an opportunity to actually grow a relationship rather than diminish one mm-hmm. and an opportunity to, to teach and to reinforce values about what we, um, you know, what's not part of our culture and what is part of our culture. Yep. And I think that approach has, has helped with our relationships with our kids um, so far. Nice. That's great. Another example of this, just, just yesterday, uh, Jack had a friend over and, um, the, the dad of the friend came to pick him up at the end of the day. And, uh, I opened the door and, uh, we get to talking and he says, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a pastor. And we probably talked for an hour just right there in my entryway. And I knew that Nora was in the living room and Jack was on the steps <laughs> and Carissa was in the kitchen. So they're all listening to me have this conversation. And we talked for, yeah, 45 minutes to an hour about 
what a pastor does, what that's like there, this family's LDS. And so, um, we had this wonderful conversation and, uh, you know, we talk about so many different things, you know, uh, what do you think of president, you know, the prophet Nelson, when, what he's got going on and, um, callings and he was a missionary and why do our pastors get paid at SMCC and what do they mm. do in our locations? We just, you know, all the normal, yeah. I've never met one of you before questions, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, at the end of it, he leaves, and I said, um, hey, Jack, uh, Nora, Carissa, what did you guys notice in that conversation? Mm. Because I, we want to say yes to spiritual conversations with people who believe things that are different than us. Mm-hmm. That is a huge value in the Nelson household, is yeah. that we, um, we are for people, and we are comfortable in those conversations, and we don't fight with people. You know, yeah. We don't argue. We want to be interested. We want to be curious. We want to be warm. Mm. And Jack yeah. said, Dad, one of the things I noticed is you didn't embarrass him. And I just oh, thought Jack. I just thought nice. that was a, a a unique word. I didn't expect him to say that, but um, the opposite of embarrassed is you honored, you mm-hmm. cared, you were kind, respected. It was a respectful conversation. Yeah, and that would be an example of something the Nelson household values. The other thing that that we value is that my kids have relationships with other adults. They yeah. look up to other adults. Yeah. I want them around other mm-hmm. adults. Mm-hmm. That's something we say yes to. So when we have friends over, we try not to send the kids off to their Xbox or whatever. We want them to sit at the table. Mm-hmm. We had some dear friends over recently. Uh, one of them just had a battle with cancer, and, and we asked her to share the story, and the kids were there at the table. And then like a few weeks had gone by, and cancer came up somewhere else. And I said, Jack, wh- what do you think about cancer? He says, yeah, I know that story from where Sharis talked about her bout with cancer. And I'm like okay, this is, this is connecting, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not saying I'm a perfect parent, do it like my family. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying your family already has values. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are they the values you want? Mm-hmm. And if they are the values you want, get intentional about living them out in the family and you'll build a strong culture inside of your family. It's the exact same for your church or your, your company. There was a business consultant at, at church on, on uh, Sunday who resonated with this because building a culture is just helpful in any arena of life. Yeah. And you just and you just went through in those couple minutes, Eric. You just went through the third piece: model the behaviors you want. You modeled those to your kids. Uh, the fourth one: choose your language intentionally. So, uh, and then you know, five: ruthlessly evaluate. So you actually got to evaluate with Jack. Like he brought this conversation back up, and it was yeah. helpful to him. And um, yeah, so you yeah, you kind of just went through all that. Yeah, <laughs> the pieces of this that were from the message. Yeah, totally, totally, and. I'm just trying to do the best I can with this stuff and I, and I hope it's helpful. So yeah. anyways, um, the parable of the yeast, it's working its way through the whole dough and, and, and we gave this quote and, and maybe we could just end with this, Trevor. I mean, where do we see the kingdom growing around the world right now? Where do you see the kingdom at work? Where do you see the yeast affecting the entirety of humanity? I mean, yeah. where are you seeing that right now? Yeah. I mean, um, one piece that I talked about on Sunday was, uh, like here in Utah, one aspect was just 25 years ago, SMCC didn't exist. It was just an idea in the head of a pastor in California. Mm-hmm. And yet 25 years later, you know, five campuses. And and it's not just about like numbers of campuses or anything like that, but just all of the lives that have been changed over the mm-hmm. course of that time. Mm-hmm. And we hope to see more of that in the future. Um, another thing that I shared about was um, we have some friends who are... Um, they're doing ministry work in Turkey, and Turkey's kind of an interesting um, country. So on the one hand, you know, they've, um, they've had these devastating earthquakes take place in Turkey and in Syria. Um, close to 50,000 people, I want to say, mm-hmm. have died now, wow. maybe, maybe even um, beyond that now. The number just kind of keeps rising. And so um, entire cities left in ruins. I want to say that the, 
the area impacted by the earthquakes is actually the size of the state of Florida. So just a wow. massive wow. region, hundreds of thousands of people displaced for who knows how long, right? If their homes are ever going to be rebuilt, things will, you know, it's hard to say if they'll ever actually go back to the way they were mm -hmm. before. Um, and Turkey, on the other side of things, is a city of 80 million people uh, and yet less than 10,000 Christians. And when you read your New Testament, uh, most of the letters within it were written to churches that are located, that were located in what is now modern-day Turkey. So that's really the first place that the kingdom flourished, that uh, Jesus's culture moved forward. And yet, 2,000 years later, it's such a small um, pocket within that country. Um, but what's been kind of neat to see in the updates from our friends is that, you know, even in the wake of such grief, such destruction, uh, the, the local church there is really as seemingly small and as insignificant as it is. It has a really great opportunity to actually help with so many people who are being displaced um, and to kind of step in and provide care, uh, provide help, provide aid, and really show the compassion and the love of Jesus. And even the church kind of broadly, globally, is reaching out to resource the local church there to help them to be able to respond well. And so I think in a lot of ways, even though you know, even in the wake of such such grief and such devastation, the kingdom is moving forward there in a unique way right now. Mm -hmm. I love that. That aligns, you know, with a quote we used on Sunday about from Barna about, you know, Christian philanthropy being such a powerful movement, you know. And mm -hmm. so we do see the yeast working its way through the whole batch. And I think if you're a Jesus follower, that brings it's just excitement and passion. Like it's just it's just awesome mm -hmm. to be a part of it. So if there's a takeaway from today's podcast, it's uh Cultural engagement and cultural intentionality. Those are the things. Let's let's get after that and um, pay attention to our values, both individually and collectively. And then let's pay attention to the values of our culture because that's, that's where we begin to impact from the inside out, right? Picketing with a sign that says, Jesus hates whatever. Okay, that's not going to change culture. That's outside in. Mm -hmm. But inside mm -hmm. out culture is different. So I'll give you a quick example. I'll wrap up with this. <laughs> yeah. um, I, got a, I got a great message from a, a friend recently. You know, and I, I probably want to do this maybe in a message or something, but have you guys seen the, the movement of like breathing rooms and like uh, meditation spaces in Utah mm -hmm. that are really popular? I'm not even sure I'm describing I've that. I've seen IV bars. That's a new thing for me. Yeah. 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 Uh -huh. So yeah. So culture is always about how to add, how to add these value in. So how did my friend describe it? Um, uh, sound baths, breath work and meditation. All right. So this is really popular in, in Utah. And she was like, I don't know what the Bible says about this. I don't know if this is for me. And I, I and I, and I don't know how to respond. And I said, let's just start with the values. What is it that they value? Well, they, people who are participating in these things, they value rest. They value relaxation. They value a healthy body, healthy breathing. All that is really, really important. How does the gospel sync up or not sync up with those values? So let's, instead of pointing fingers at behaviors first, let's talk about values first, mm -hmm. and then have a values-based decision. Mm-hmm. This is really important. Values-based decision-making, values-based leadership is, is, mm -hmm. is better than just simply behaviors-based. Yep. You know, dogs have behaviors. They just bark. They don't understand the values behind their barking. They just respond and react. Yeah. But as humans, God's wired us to be able to have a brain that functions in such a way where we can evaluate and assess the values that people have. So I, I told my friend, I said, look, I, I'm, I don't know enough to say that that's right or wrong or whatever. And, and really, it's probably neither. It can be right or it can be yeah. wrong. The point is, if you have those values, 
of rest, relaxation, warmth, medi- you know, whatever that might be, how does the gospel speak into it? And that's a better conversation. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, that's cultural intentionality. That's cultural engagement. And um, that's what I want um, us to be about. Absolutely. Church. That's very cool. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up. And uh, I just appreciate you guys being here today and the conversation we had. And listeners, thank you for uh, being here and spending your time with us. We are going to continue in the series of The Kingdom is Like. So glad that you could join us. And we will see you again next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, we'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.